when you think of a movement, you usually think of a huge crowd. But every movement starts with one. You see trends that catch momentum and ideas that become viral, but every time it has to start somewhere. It starts with one idea. It starts with one step. It starts with one risk taken. It starts with one act of courage. It starts with the next one who takes one step or one person who takes one step and then God moves through that. I wonder what is waiting on the other side of one step of obedience in your life. I wonder what movement of God is waiting on the other side of one step of courage that God wants you to take, or who is waiting on the other side of one step of obedience that you might take. We've been looking for the last several weeks in Acts chapter eight, and we've been talking about a movement because we wanted to see that all of us if we are followers of Jesus, are part of the greatest movement that has ever been. A church is not first a building, it's not an institution, it's not an organization, it is first and foremost a movement. And the number one quality of movements is that movements move. Movements are focused not on what happened, as much as they're focused on what is going to happen, the next one, the next step, the next person, the next decision. In Acts 8, we've seen how the movement of Jesus was spreading, and it went out from Jerusalem to Samaria. And if you've been with us for the last several weeks, you've seen how this movement just began to spread and how Philip went from Jerusalem, and then Peter and John followed him, and they went to Samaria, and this movement is breaking forth. And then we get to the last story and the last message in this series, the last story of Acts 8. And God takes Philip away from Samaria and sends him to somewhere else. Why? Because God is always focused on the next one and the next step of obedience. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 8, and we're going to read in verse 26 down through the end of the chapter about this next one that God had planned to become a part of the movement. In Acts 8 and verse 26, God sends Philip away. He goes into what the Bible says is a desert road, and he has an encounter with one man, but that one man will change the course of history. That one encounter will change the course of history, and it may be that you could learn something from this step that could change the course of your life today. Acts 8, beginning in verse 26, and I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter, and I'm going to invite you to stand. If you're watching at one of our campuses at East Lake or Seminole, we are so glad you can join us here in Clearwater. You're watching online as one church family, and we're listening to the Word of God together in Acts chapter 8 and beginning in verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home. 
reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. It's quoting from Isaiah here. He was like, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. And as they were traveling down the road, they came uh, to some water. What would keep me? And, and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared at Azotus and as he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, we know that you have a plan that's bigger than our plan. And even when we don't plan, you sometimes have divine appointments on the schedule. Divine appointments for us to have a conversation with somebody. Divine appointments for us to meet with you. And it may be today you have a divine appointment for some of us gathered here or listening to this message. And Lord, I pray that we will not miss the divine appointment that you have orchestrated for us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, it's going south, south and west. Samaria is to the north of Jerusalem. It's in the opposite direction of where Philip has been. It's a 50-mile road, and the Bible calls it, it was evidently known by this name, the Desert Road. It was a long road in the middle of nowhere through the Judean wilderness. It's a long way from the crowds. It's a long way from the successes of Samaria. And Philip is stepping away from this movement that's starting to explode at the very moment you think, hey, you need to lean into it. God pulls him out and sends him to find the next person. Because movements always keep moving. The movement of God is always moving through ordinary people who keep focusing on the next person, the next conversation, and the next opportunity to make Jesus known. They keep focusing on the next one. Maybe, maybe you even feel like that Ethiopian man this morning. You may be a person who's been searching for God or asking questions about God and you've been knocking on the door and yet maybe even this morning, maybe you've even come and you've just thought, I'm not sure I've gotten exactly the answer I've been looking for. Maybe you even feel frustrated. But I want you to know that God has a way of showing up at just the right place at just the right time to make himself known 
to those who are seeking him. So in this story, I wanna look at three things as we focus on how the movement is always moving to the next one. And if we wanna be part of that movement, I want us to look at three things we need to do to be part of moving on to the next one. Number one, we have always gotta be people who are willing to follow the Spirit of God. We have to follow the Spirit of God. See, it's very clear when you look at this story that the Holy Spirit was leading Philip. See, God does speak. Now, that scares us a little bit sometimes when we talk about that. What does that mean? Well, we know God speaks through the Bible, don't we? So when we read the Bible, we hear the voice of God. You want to hear it out loud? Read the Bible out loud. God speaks through his word. And yet we also know, and we've been talking about, that God speaks through the Holy Spirit. J.D. Greer has observed that the Holy Spirit speaks at least 36 different times in the book of Acts. If you look at verse 26, it says, an angel of the Lord, and what did it say? Look at verse 26, spoke to Philip. An angel spoke to him. And then when you read down in verse 29, it says the Holy Spirit told Philip exactly what to do. So in some sense, obviously, the Holy Spirit is speaking. Now, if you're like me, you want to know, well, what does that sound like? Is that audible? Is that inaudible? Is that a, a, a sense of uh, an impression in your heart? Is that just a, uh, an idea that pops into your mind? Well, you know what? The Bible never tells us exactly what it sounds like or even feels like when the Holy Spirit speaks. Obviously, we need great caution. Not everybody who says God is speaking to them is telling the truth. But yet, you can't read this story without seeing that the Holy Spirit is directing Philip's steps. He sends him into the desert and tells him to go next to the chariot. You can't ignore that part of the story. In fact, when you look at it, it's almost as the author of this story is just telling you how unlikely it is that these two people would ever meet to begin with. I mean, first of all, consider Philip. He's been kind of the central character in this chapter, and it's really the only chapter where he is a central character. He has gone from Jerusalem, gone to Samaria. A movement breaks out. And the Bible says all of a sudden, instead of gathering a crowd, God sends him into the desert. Why would God pull a man from a crowd of converts and send him into the desert? Because God had a plan. Have you ever noticed that God can interrupt your schedule? In fact, sometimes the best things that happen are when God does interrupt your schedule. He even can interrupt our successes. God can send you to a desert if he wants to because he may have an appointment for you in the desert. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm kind of wired in such a way as to be goal-oriented. I'm one of those folks that likes to list out things to do, and it just warms the cockles of my heart when I get to check them off, right? Like, even if I think of something to do and do it, I like writing it down just so I can scratch it off. It just makes me, it just improves my self-esteem to feel like I'm moving forward according to a plan and a strategy. But I want you to consider that the most important appointment you may have next week may be something that isn't on your calendar. 
And the most important moment of your day may be something that you woke up today and you had no idea was gonna happen. If you wanna be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I think it means leaving room in your life and in your schedule for interruptions. Leaving margin for the miraculous means you have to be willing to change your plans. You have to be willing to alter your schedule. And sometimes expecting that the Holy Spirit may take you away from something that you're doing, something that you may even think is important. What if we saw the interruptions not as inconveniences, but as opportunities to see God work? In fact, some of you may have come here today and you had no plan about doing something today and God may already have an appointment planned for you. And the question is whether you're gonna leave room for the Holy Spirit to do what God wants to do. Then you can consider the Ethiopian. I wish we knew this guy's name. Uh, We don't know his name. We know where he's from. We know his race. He's an African from Ethiopia and he's an important man. He's a government official. The Ethiopian, the ancient kingdom of Ethiopia was a well-established civilization. It had flourished hundreds of years before the time of Christ. This man is an important government official. It tells us he works for the king, the queen, Candace, which, by the way, is not a proper name. It's a title, like Caesar or Pharaoh, because in this ancient kingdom, queens always ruled the country. In fact, the men were thought to be sons of the sun god, and so they were asked to stay out of government affairs, which if you ask me, just sounds like an excuse to keep them out of the room. And the queen was the one and her daughters who was always ruling the kingdom. Now, this man is obviously a very important person. He's a eunuch, which means he was probably created to be a eunuch that way because from early on, he was set apart to serve in government in a high, important position. And those who served the queen were office uh, were, were often in that condition. And so he could be fully devoted to the queen, fully devoted to his country. He didn't have a personal family. His life was about serving his queen and his country. And yet here he is, having traveled to Jerusalem. And why did he go to Jerusalem? The Bible tells us. He was looking for something. He had questions. And somehow he knew enough about these Hebrews and the Hebrew God that he felt like the answer might be there. And so he takes a leave of absence. He must have been a very important man for the queen to give him that leave of absence. He goes to Jerusalem. He goes to the temple. He is looking for God. He is looking for answers to life's biggest questions. And here's what we know. He's come back frustrated. If he had gone to the Jewish temple, he would have seen signs that warned him that as a foreigner, he could go so far and no further. In fact, he may have even read in the Mosaic law where eunuchs were forbidden from even entering the temple. One commentator wrote, as a eunuch, full membership in the congregation of Israel was not even possible. He could visit the temple, but he could never enter it. Now he's going home, and he's still reading, and he's still struggling. Now consider the place where these two men meet. I already told you, it's a desert road. I mean, it's not like your local Starbucks where everybody meets to hang out. This is a man who's now on a journey through a deserted place, 
in a road in the middle of nowhere, but when Philip follows the Holy Spirit's voice, their paths cross. And consider the timing, the moment when they cross. The Bible tells us this Ethiopian is reading the book of Isaiah, a book in our Bible, a Jewish book, and one of our books in the Old Testament. Now, for a man to get a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, it's not like today where you just go to the bookstore and pick it out. He would have had to be a wealthy man. He would have had to be an important man, particularly as a foreigner, to get his own copy of Isaiah. He's reading it in Hebrew. He's a well-educated man. He's reading this on his own, which in itself is extraordinary. I wonder why he was reading the book of Isaiah. It may have been because the book of Isaiah contains such powerful promises. I don't know if he had already gotten to chapter 56. The Bible tells us he was reading in 53, but it's possible he's reading back over and over and focusing on places he's really wanting to look at. Maybe he had already read in Isaiah 56 these verses. Isaiah 56 says, no foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. And a eunuch should not say, look, I am a dried up tree. For the Lord says this, for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name that is better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name. That's everlasting life that will never be cut off. What a glorious promise. If he had read that, he would know that God, this God has a plan for foreigners, that God wants to save even people who are damaged, people who are incomplete, people who are broken in some way. There's a place in God's kingdom. And yet, and yet, how could he square? He had been to the temple and the temple said, you can go this far and no further. You're, 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 you're not, you're, you know, you're a foreigner, you're a eunuch. And so he's He's, he's, he's riding on this road and he's reading and he's reading specifically in Isaiah 53. The Bible tells us he was reading aloud in verse seven when Philip walked up to him. Now that almost certainly means he had been reading early in the chapter. And if he had read the first verses, verses three through six, this is what he would have read. He would have read these words. He was despised and rejected by men a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Now that's what he's reading. He's reading it out loud at the moment Philip walks up and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to me. In fact, the Ethiopian was asking the questions that Jewish scholars had been asking down through the centuries. Who exactly is Isaiah talking about? And the Ethiopian says, is he talking about himself or somebody else? Is he talking about the Jewish people? Who is he talking about? 
And that's when Philip sat down, and the Bible says Philip preached Jesus to him. Philip told him the story of Jesus. And, and, and before we talk about that, I just want you to see, folks, this is Acts 1-8 being lived out. This is what God promised that we would do. This is the movement going forward to every nation and every tribe and every people around the world. Philip was taking the gospel to the next person who needed to know Jesus. So if we're gonna be a part of that movement, folks, we have to be willing to follow the Holy Spirit the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit. And when God nudges in our, I don't know what it sounds like. What does it sound like? It may feel like a nudge. It may feel like an insight that God tells us to go and begin to have a conversation. We've got to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Or it may be God speaking into your heart and telling you that you need to take a next step. You need to take a next step toward God. We've got to be willing to follow it when God speaks. Number two we got to be willing to tell them the good news about Jesus. We've got to be willing to tell the good news about Jesus. First, we follow the Holy Spirit, but, but if we're going to be part of this movement going to the next person, we've got to speak it. Philip didn't just walk up and say, well, I'll be praying for you. Well, we'd love to have you at our church sometime. Well, hey, let me know if there's any way I can help. Now, Philip began to share with him the best news that he had ever heard. Philip was eager to engage. Even after he followed the Spirit's voice, the Spirit nudged him again, and he goes to the chariot. He said, well, I, Pastor, I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to help somebody. Look at what Philip did. Number one, just start by asking questions. See, it doesn't matter where you are. You can start by asking questions. That's what Philip did. Do you understand what you're reading? Just start by asking questions. You never, all you've got to do is listen to see what God's doing in somebody's life. Open your eyes, you see what they're struggling with, and then just ask a few questions. You might ask questions like, how can I pray for you? That's a question. You might ask a question, um, do you think about spiritual things? Do you ever think about a relationship with God? Is that something that's been a part of your life? Has anybody ever talked to you about how to have a relationship with God? A few weeks ago, I was in the car with an Uber driver, and you know, I just, it just is no way to do it that it's not a little bit awkward, but I said, hey, in all the times that you've been carrying people, uh, I, I just, could I ask you a question? I wonder, has anybody ever asked you about spiritual things? He said, well, no, sir, they haven't. And I said, well, would you, would you mind if I ask you a question or two? He said, no, I wouldn't. And I was able just to ask a few questions, and we were able to have a spiritual conversation. Sometimes you just have to ask a few questions. That's what Philip did. Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said he did not. I love what Pastor Tom Hudgens, our Seminole campus pastor, he's so good at just starting conversations. And I've been with Tom when he's, you, you know how he starts conversations? He'll say, hey, just tell me your story. I've seen him do it, just sitting around with people and lady, you know, waitress will walk up and say, hey, tell me, what's your story? She goes, what are you talking about? Like, where'd you, where'd you come from? Haven't it, you know? And next thing you know, they're telling their story. You can just begin by showing compassion for somebody, ask them to tell you their story, find out what's going on in their life, ask them how you can pray for them. It doesn't, you don't have to have all the answers, folks. You know the one who does. You know, sometimes when people are around pastors, they try to make, you know, 
funny jokes. And somebody saw me the other day and said, oh, you're the guy with all the answers. I said, no, sir, I'm the guy who knows the guy with all the answers. <laughs> you don't have to have all the answers. You know the one who does. That's all you need to do is point to him. You don't have to solve every problem. You know the guy who can. So you just start by asking questions. What's going on? How can I pray for you? Do you understand what's happening? Do you ever think about God or spiritual things? And get a conversation started. And then, well, you need to be ready to share the good news about Jesus. You need to be able to share the good news. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I don't know what to say. Again, what if Philip had beaten around the bush and offered just to pray for him? He would have missed a critical opportunity. Look, if week after week and year after year and month after month, people who claim to know the greatest news in the history of humankind are unwilling to talk about it with others, then something's wrong. We need to be ready to share our faith. We need to be ready to talk about it with others. And here at Calvary, we've tried to teach a very simple way in which you can explain to somebody what it means to trust in Jesus. Whether you can draw this or even sometimes just explain it in your head, we've used this idea we've called the three circles. And I wish that every person who comes to Calvary would know exactly how to share what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You can just start with circle number one, and that is God. Some questions come up, conversations come up and say, well, you know, there is a God. That's the reason we have life. And, and most people even st believe that there is a God anyway. So you just start with conversation about God. But I quickly draw a second circle. In this second circle, I just write the word broken because the world is broken. Sometimes you can even start with this circle because people are going through a divorce or people are sick or people are grieving or people are thinking about 9-11 and you talk about why is the world such a broken place? There's a God who made everything, but the world is so broken, isn't it? And everyone knows the world is broken. And you can ask the question, why is the world broken? The Bible gives us the reason. The Bible says that we sinned. Every person has sinned. Every person has acted selfish at some point. Every person has turned against God. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sometimes you can ask a simple question of, hey, nobody's ever, you, you, nobody's perfect. Nobody's ever batted a thousand. Nobody ever gets it all right. We've sinned and because of sin, there's brokenness in the world. And when people realize we're broken, we try all kinds of ways of fixing the brokenness, don't we? And so sometimes, sometimes we turn to religion. That doesn't solve the problem. Sometimes we, we just try to live a better life. We're going to clean up our act. We're going to quit drinking. We're going to quit smoking that. But even then, we fail or we still, even if we could do it, we can't fix the brokenness. Sometimes we turn to drugs or alcohol or we turn to other relationships because our life is, feels bored and empty. But all these things, they don't fix the problem. In fact, sometimes they just make it worse and worse, don't they? We're still broken. What's the answer? The answer is the third circle. And I just put Jesus right there in that circle. Or you could just draw a cross if you want to. The answer is that God sent Jesus into the world. And Jesus died on a cross for our sin in our place. He was buried and raised from the power of God. You can explain that, how God sent Jesus and Jesus rose from the dead. And that if we will turn from our sin, he will forgive us. That's what we need to do. We turn that word is repent, and we believe in Jesus. And the Bible tells us that if we will turn and believe in Jesus, 
that through the power of Jesus, Jesus can bring us back into a relationship with God. He will forgive us and he will give us a new meaning and a new purpose where we can know God in a personal way. Listen, you don't have to be a pastor. There are some people who are never gonna talk to a pastor. You don't have to be a professional evangelist. Most people are never gonna talk to a professional evangelist. You know who they're gonna talk to? They're gonna talk to you. People in your family, they're not gonna talk to me. You know who they're gonna talk to? They're gonna talk to you. Your neighbors, you know who they trust? They trust you. The people you work with, you know who they trust? They trust you. If you don't tell the next one, who's gonna tell the next one? Philip wasn't even a pastor, by the way. He was like, we don't, it doesn't call him a deacon, but in Acts 6, he was elected to help the apostles. But he went preaching, and he told this Ethiopian how to find God. What the Ethiopian couldn't find at the temple, he just found a lot of empty answers. Philip said, let me tell you about Jesus. You have to be able to tell somebody the truth about Jesus. And then here's the third thing we gotta be able to do. We gotta help people make a commitment to Christ. Not only do we tell them the good news, but help them. Help them know how to make a commitment to Jesus. Help them know how to take that step to become a follower of Jesus. So that's what Philip did. After hearing Philip explain this, the Ethiopians on a rod came across water. Now remember, they're on a desert road. So God had arranged every detail and they came across some river or some pond. And remember, the Ethiopian had been to the temple. You can go this far, no further. You're an Ethiopian. You're a eunuch. You're damaged goods. You can go this far, no further. I wonder if any of you have ever thought that. Man, I'd like to know God, and I've tried to go to church, but man, I'm, man if they knew what I've, if they knew my alcoholism, if they knew my sin, if they knew the stuff I'd done, I, I feel like I can go so far, but I can't go any further. Oh, yes, you can. See, he said, can I be baptized? Here's water. Is there anything keeping me from, like you got any rules that keep me from being baptized? And the Bible says that Philip said, you may if you believe with all your heart. And by the way, the Ethiopian did believe. Ancient traditions tell us that he believed and took the gospel back to Ethiopia. Some traditions believe that he actually went back and became a bishop in Ethiopia. The Ethiopian Christian movement is one of the oldest in all the world. Did you know that? Even today, there are more than 50 million people in Ethiopia who profess faith in Jesus Christ, and there have been millions down through the century. Heaven is gonna be full of beautiful Ethiopian brothers and sisters, and it may be, it just may be, that they could trace back their journey to that day, one man said, I will follow Jesus. And Philip went to that desert. That's, see, now you know why God can sometimes take you out of a crowd and put you on a desert road. Now you know why God bothers to interrupt your schedule. Because you never know what God might be up to. And so they stopped the chariot. I love this. They stopped the chariot. There was water. And they, they went in the water and baptized him. You say, why? Why baptism? Baptism is the way in the Bible that people make public their decision to follow Jesus. Why? Because baptism is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You saw those pictures earlier of people getting baptized. They were put under the water, just like somebody is buried and then brought up. Jesus died, was buried, and raised again, and we're trusting in Jesus to give us new life. 
Baptism then becomes a picture of a new life and new beginning. Sins are washed away and we are a new person because of the power of God. And when you look at the Bible, over and over and over again, this is the pattern. Believe, get baptized. Believe, get baptized. Let me show you. I've given you this verse the last couple of weeks in Acts 2.38 when Peter was preaching to a huge crowd. They said, what do you want us to do? They literally cried out like they interrupted the sermon. What do you want us to do? He goes, repent and be baptized. Each of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, believe, repent, and be baptized. And guess what verse 41 says? Verse 41 says a whole bunch of them did it. So those who accepted his message were baptized. If they believed it, they got baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were at. Can you believe that? Man, that must have been chaotic. It was probably a little bit messy. But boy, it was exciting for 3,000 people to get baptized that day. And you see this all the way through the book of Acts. Well, look at the next verse in Acts. It says in Acts 8, 12, we, this was the chapter we've been looking at in Samaria. When they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. They believed and they got baptized. Go to the next verse. The next verse there is in Acts 16, verse 30. This is a great story about the Philippian jailer and they had an earthquake and the prison doors flew open and it was Paul and Silas and it says the jailer escorted them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. That means they explained it. Look at what it says next. He took them the same hour of the night, and wash their wounds. Now look at these two words. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. Right away. They didn't take a class. They didn't have to pass a test. They didn't have to do a blood test. No, right away. I mean, they didn't even go to Cracker Barrel for breakfast. Right away. He and his family got baptized. That's how they announced that they were followers of Jesus. Look at this next verse. I love this verse in Acts 18, verse eight. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, what did they do? They believed and they got baptized. Look at this last verse in Acts chapter 22. This is Paul telling his own story and how he had been blinded and God sent somebody to explain the message of Jesus to him. And after he explained the message, the man said, why are you delaying? What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized, and wash away your sins by calling on his name. It's Jesus that washes away our sins, not baptism, but calling his name. Get up and be baptized. What are you waiting for, he said. What are you waiting for? And the Bible says Paul obviously got up, and he was baptized right away. Now, in a few hours, um, we're going to go to the beach over at Sand Key, We've got dozens of people who are ready to come today and to be baptized. You know, I wonder if there are some of you who like that Ethiopian, you've been seeking God. That's probably why you're here in the first place. There's some openness, you wouldn't be here. I want you to consider the possibility that God may be working in your life. 
that the reason you're asking those questions, the reason there's an openness in your heart right now is that God is working and that that is no accident. That if God can send a man named Philip on a desert road to intercept a government official from Ethiopia, then God can certainly arrange events so that at the right moment and the right place and the right time, you will hear this message of the gospel. And the question is, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead? And are you willing to turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus? If you believe that, you may be ready to take the next step and become the next one by confessing that Jesus is your savior and being baptized. I love this Ethiopian man. I'd love to meet him in heaven one day. Stop the chariots, stop everything, stop it. Well, we got a schedule. Don't worry about the schedule. Well, Joe's gonna meet us. Then don't worry about Joe. Stop everything. There's water. I wanna be baptized right now. Like now. You wanna think about it? No, no, no. It, it, water. Can I be baptized? If you believe, you can be. I believe. Stop everything. He went that day and confessed his faith in Jesus. I wonder if there's somebody here today that needs to make that step and confess your faith in Jesus. You may have came here today. You came here today and you didn't plan on it. It's not on your day test, not in your schedule, it's not in your outlook, but it's in God's. You say, well, I got another, I got a, I got a dinner night, forget it. You say, I, I got an anniversary night. It'll be there tomorrow, don't worry about it. It'll get to tonight. You say, well, I'm supposed, the, 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 tomorrow's coming. Is there anything more important than doing what God wants you to do? And if you're here today and you have never confessed faith in Jesus, I want to give you a chance in just a few minutes. Let me tell you what we're going to do. Just a few minutes, we're gonna sing a final song like we always do, but we're gonna do something a little different today. If today you want to be baptized, and by that you mean you wanna confess your faith in Jesus, I want you to come and stand right here with me. Just come stand. And if you're already scheduled to be baptized, I hope you'll come and stand too because we wanna celebrate with you. I want your church family to see and celebrate. Not all of them are gonna be there tonight. A lot of them will be, but if you're already scheduled, I'd love for you to come. But if you're here and you had no plan, no plan, God had a plan. And I want you to come and stand right here. In a moment, I want to pray for you. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. You will not stand alone. I promise you there'll be people here standing with you. And you say, yeah, well, that's, that's a big step. I know it is. But there are moments in life where you just got to stop the chariots and stop everything and say, this is what I need to do. And I need to do it right now. So in a moment, we're going to sing. And if you today want to take that step, I want you to come and let us pray for you today. If you want to come and today put your trust in Jesus, turn from your sin, follow Jesus, ask him to forgive you. If you will come, we'd love to pray with you and encourage you and show you exactly how you can be a part. Even if, even if you can't be there tonight, I hope you'd come anyway, and we, we'll baptize you as quick as we can. I, come, come. Today, say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Can I close by giving you that last verse one more time? Because you already forgot it, didn't you? It's Acts twenty two sixteen. Remember this last verse? Why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins 
calling on his name. Let's pray together. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If you're watching at one of our campuses, you're listening very, very closely. In a moment, the campus pastor will come up and tell you exactly what to do. But you're at Seminole, you're at East Lake. Listen, God had a plan. You're watching online. You know, we've had people watch online and come to the baptism in the afternoon. God had a plan. God had a plan. If you're here today, listen, in a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to begin singing. And today, if you want to be baptized, I want you to come stand right here. Just come stand right here. In fact, if, you, if you're ready, you can do it while I'm still talking. You don't have to wait till we sing. You can just you can come before I'm done. But you're going to come, you're going to stand here, and I'm going to pray for everybody. And we'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Stand to our feet. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to pray for you right now. All across Seminole East Lake, let's all stand right now to our feet. Across all of our campuses, let me pray for you. Father, we may think we're on a desert road and you had a plan. We may have thought we're on some desert road. You had a plan. I have no idea every story in this room, but you do. And I thank you that the message of Jesus is it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how damaged you may think you are. It doesn't matter who has told you you can come this far and no further. I thank you that the message of Jesus is the Father's waiting and that you will forgive us and you will receive us into your family. And Father, I pray today that you will do what only you can do and that is speak to somebody's heart. Only you can do that. Lord, would you use this simple message, this simple story from the Bible? And I pray you would draw somebody today. You said the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know how it looks. I just know you can do it. So I'm asking you right now, would you speak to somebody today? Right here, right now. So loud, they cannot get away from it. So strong, that even if they never believed you existed, right in this moment, they would say, I know there's God. And I know he loves me. And I know he's after me and he's speaking to me. And I can't explain it. And people may think I'm crazy, but I know it. I know he's telling me right now that he loves me. And he'll save me if I ask him. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust him. Father, would you speak to them? Would you speak to us and draw us in Jesus' name? I pray it. Amen.